Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Rhea. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome here to Super Bowl Sunday. How many people are excited for the game? Now, you might be wondering why I have a Lions shirt on. You're like, wait a minute. We got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Why do you have a Lions shirt on? What's the name of the series? Okay, come on. Faith, we got to have it. A lot of us are like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know what I mean? Because I'm talking today about crushed faith. And who knows more about crushed faith than a Lions fan, am I right? I think here in Detroit we know a lot about it. But what I've come to learn over the years is nobody really likes to be crushed, right? No one really likes disappointment. No one really likes heartache. No one really likes pain. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you said to yourself, man, life is just so good right now? You know what I could use in my life? I need some pain. I need some good old-fashioned, like, physical pain where I just can't even get out of bed in the morning. I think that's what I need in my life. Or emotional pain. Yeah, a mental breakdown just seems like what I need in this moment right now. No, we we don't say that. In fact, we hate to be uncomfortable. We go to great lengths to make sure we are comfortable. We have all kinds of escapes from pain. Some medical, some not so much, but we go to great lengths to try to escape from any kind of physical or emotional pain that we have. But here's the problem. Numbing the pain doesn't fix the pain. It makes us less aware of the pain, but it doesn't fix our pain. I remember when I got my wisdom teeth out. Anyone have that experience? So I heard stories of people who recovered quickly, and of course, you hear some horror stories of people. It takes a little longer, but I get my wisdom teeth out, and I come out of that room, and I could feel no pain. I'm like, this wasn't that bad. They got all those wisdom teeth out. I got this. No problem. I couldn't feel my face, nothing. But then something happened after a couple of hours, and the pain meds that were telling my brain not to feel the pain that I was actually in wore off. And then I was in excruciating pain. We, a lot of you know what I'm talking about, those moments when we're in excruciating pain. And the only thing that can fix that pain (laughs) the only thing that can fix that pain is to be healed, is to go through a process of healing. Physical pain, we have to go through a process of healing. 
You hurt yourself, you break a bone, you have surgery. You need to have time to heal and even rehabilitate yourself in order to feel better. Emotional pain. You need time to heal and to work through things in order to actually heal and not just numb the pain. And the healing process is painful but necessary in order to fix the actual problem. It's painful but necessary. You see, in life, life comes with sets of disappointments, emotional pain. We have moments where we doubt our faith. Is all of this true? Is what I believe really true? Is God really who he says he is? Is this Bible really true for today? There's all these things. We go through great ups. We go through great downs in life. And life can throw us some curveballs. We can be high and low all at the same time or in a matter of minutes. You know, you go to the gym, you get a good workout. Maybe you were there three days in a row. You're feeling good about yourself. And then someone who's in much better shape walks right through that gym. And you go, oh. What am I even doing this for? You felt on top of the world. And then all of a sudden you compare yourself to someone else and you go, yeah, I'm never going to get in shape. Maybe you, you, you went through a period of time where your finances were in order and you saved all this money and you took Dave Ramsey's course and you got out of debt and you put some money in the bank and you started saving for your kids' college and retirement was going well and you were able to give and then all of a sudden eggs cost $8 or something and now you're like, where, how did I get here? I'm broke, I'm in debt, I, I don't have anything. Highs and lows. Maybe you're at a point where there's times where your marriage is just going great. You feel so connected to your spouse. It's like when you first met, you're going on romantic dates, you're getting away with each other, and then all of a sudden some kind of dumb fight happens or serious fight, and now there's tension in the house. You're walking on eggshells. We go through these highs. We go through these lows. Maybe there's times your kids, they're, they're doing well in school, they're behaving, they're doing all these things right, and then out of the blue, they start making some bad choices, and they start to become a person you never thought they would be, and you don't know what to do. We have these great highs, and then we have these great lows. Maybe you're feeling good and healthy, and then all of a sudden you go to the doctor for your physical, and you find out there's a bad medical report, you got this high, and then this low. Maybe everyone in your family is doing well and everyone's healthy and all of a sudden you get a phone call in the middle of the night and there's a tragedy or an accident. Highs and lows. And you see Christians are not exempt from living in this world and experiencing great highs and great lows. We're not exempt from it. In fact, I'll, I could tell you story after story in the Bible of men and women of God who went through these great highs and these great lows. I'll give you a few of them. Moses. I mean, Moses experienced just something so incredible. He actually saw God in a burning bush. 
God's like, this is me. I'm revealing myself to you. He then gets an assignment from God to go into Egypt and let the Israel, lead the Israelites out of slavery, out of bondage. He goes, he sees the miraculous hand of God time and time and time again. God literally protects them, saves them, delivers them. He gets into the desert and they're living in the desert. And Moses is trying to hear from God. He's trying to get direction. He goes up to the ten, get the Ten Commandments. He comes down, and, and all the people are just doing crazy things. And these people that God told him to devote his life to are now driving him absolutely crazy. And he says this in, in Numbers. He's, he's so broken. If you look at Numbers 11, 10 through 15, he says, listen, God. I'm so broken, would you just take my life? If you're not going to fix it, if you're not going to change these people's hearts, if you're not going to do something with them, just take my life. He literally says that. Job is another person we all could talk about when it comes to how bad life can get. In fact, probably most of you in here have said, man, I feel like Job at some point in your life. Job had it all, wealth, health, prosperity, a great family. And over a period of time, it was all taken from him. His health, his wealth, his kids were tragically killed. It was all taken from him. And he says this, he curses the day of his birth. This is so painful, I wish I had never been born. That's how hard life can get sometimes. Elijah is another person of an example of this. Elijah took on 450 prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. They had a showdown to see which God was the true God. And Elijah literally prays and God brings fire down from heaven, consumes this altar, and the entire world knew at that moment we had one God and it was Jehovah God. They knew that. Talk about an extreme high But just a short time later, listen to what Elijah says in 1 Kings 19.4. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. Great highs. But then this world can kick us around a little bit. And we experience great lows. I wonder oftentimes what it was like for Mary, the mother of Jesus. For so long, she wanted to reveal who her son was. She wanted people to know that her son was the Messiah, that he was the deliverer, that he was the waited promised Messiah that had been prophesied in the Old Testament. And finally, at 30 years old, he starts a ministry and he's doing things no one's ever seen before. 
He's saying things no one has ever heard before. He's moving in power. People are following him. They're putting their faith in him. And then all of a sudden, he's arrested, crucified, and put to death. Talk about great highs and then great lows. See, Christians, we're not immune to the hard things that happen in this world. We're not immune to disappointments. In fact, the book of Psalms 34, 18 says this. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Every one of us, I believe, understands what it means to be crushed in spirit. See, we experience different seasons in life. Just like we do in real life. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Right now we're in winter. A 70 degree day seems so far away, right? And after today, there'll be no more football on until September. It's a sad day. It's going to be dark and cold for a while. But spring will come. It will come. Have you ever experienced these highs and lows I'm talking about? Have you ever been on top of the world with your faith going, man, life is so good. God is so good. Everything is so great. And then said, man, I don't know if I can keep moving forward because of how much pain I am in right now. Have you ever been disappointed when you feel like maybe God didn't show up in the way you expected him to? And I know we might think it's not Christian to be disappointed in life. We got to have faith and we got to have joy and we got to have hope and all those things are true. But disappointment and frustration are a part of learning the true nature of faith. I want to say that one more time. Disappointment and frustration are a part of learning the true nature of faith. I've had big, bold prayers go unanswered, to be honest with you. I've had dreams crushed. I've seen what I thought was God's will go unfulfilled in my life. I've had to undertake the difficult task of reconciling what I believe about God with the reality of what was happening in my life. So I get that, and I know many of you do as well. I've had great highs in my life. I've seen God move in miraculous ways before my very eyes. I've been in the tangible presence of God I've heard God's voice. I've been led by God's spirit. I've seen God move in ways I never thought he would move before. And I've also experienced some very hard, crushing disappointments and blows in my life as well. And it's okay. It's okay to be disappointed sometimes. It's okay to be disappointed that God didn't answer your prayer or heal your loved one or take away that hurt or keep your marriage together or protect your kid. 
It's okay to be disappointed if things turned out differently. Kyle Chastain says it, puts it this way. He says, it's okay to be disappointed, hurt, frustrated, and even angry. It's just not okay to let those feelings go unprocessed and rot your faith. Like any relationship, if you don't bring your frustration and hurt into the conversation, it will leave you feeling cut off and bitter. So it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be angry, but it, it's not okay to not deal with it. And that's what we get really good at. Shoving things down, not dealing with them, not processing our disappointments. Christians have a hard time with this because we're trying to have faith and we're trying to have joy and we're trying to reconcile all of this together so we have a hard time just saying, man, I'm sad right now and I need to do something about it. But I want to look at disappointment and how to process it because it's important for us to learn how to process that disappointment. If you look at the life of Paul, the apostle, this is a man who had great highs, but he also had some great lows. I mean, he heard the audible voice of God. Pretty big high right there, you know? He heard some incredible things. He was used by God to do some amazing things. In fact, one story in the book of Acts says that Paul literally was stranded on a deserted island and he was bitten by a snake and it didn't even kill him, didn't make him sick. And then he ended up healing a bunch of people in the town. And then they all wanted to like make him a God because of how powerful God was moving in his life. He got to be a part of a move of God and transformation of an entire island. I mean, he had some great highs. But he also had some great lows. Let me read this in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 28. This is Paul himself talking. And he says this. He says, I've worked harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. 39 lashes, five times. Jesus that had that happen to him once. And the reason a lot of scholars believe that they did 39 lashes instead of 40 was because the 40th one could literally kill you. Five times this poor guy got hit in the back. Can you imagine the scarring, the, the pain that was involved in that? Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. Talk about not feeling safe anywhere you go. Security is one of the biggest needs of any human being in order to have decent mental health. He never had that. 
I'm in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked, the ultimate humility back then. Besides, everything else I faced daily, the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Man, talk about a lot of physical and emotional heartache and pain. How did he survive this? How did he get through it? Well, let's look at another portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul says this, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So on top of all this other stuff he's got going on, he's got this thorn also. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, listen to this, I delight in weaknesses. What? I delight in insults. Yeah, that, those are fun. I delight in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. I delight in insults. Wasn't that someone, some, you're like sitting around at a family event and someone insulted you really bad. You're like, oh, that's awesome. I delight in that. That's great. Hit me with another one. I want more. No, this is, this is different than what most humans think about. And I think the secret is here for how we deal and process through a crushed faith, how we deal and process through disappointment. So in the time remaining, I'm gonna go pretty quick here and I'm gonna give you five practical things we can do when dealing with a crushed faith. Number one, identify the cause of your pain. It's important to identify the cause. And we see this in scripture with Paul. What did he say? He said, a messenger of Satan was there to torment me. He didn't say, you know, this weird thing is there. He said, a messenger of Satan was there to torment me. You see, I believe so many times we blame God for the pain in our life, but it's not God who put the pain there. And I know this because in John 10, 10, Jesus himself says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
What does the thief come to do? Steal, to kill, to destroy. He wants to attack us. He wants to pull us away from God. This happened all the way back in the Garden of Eden. What did he do? God created a beautiful earth. He said, this is yours. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to live life to the full. I want you to eat of it. I want you to relax. I want you just to enjoy creation and relationship with with me. What does Satan do? What does the thief do? He comes in, he deceives, he lies, and he pulls them away from God. And because of that moment where he pulled Adam and Eve away from God, now we deal with pain, heartache, death, stress, hardships. That's why we deal with it. If you've experienced trauma in your life, if a person who was supposed to love you and protect you didn't do that, if you've experienced pain, unforgiveness, hurt, heartache, betrayal, it's not because that's God trying to create pain in your life or teach you something. It's because the enemy And a fallen world has been able to lead us away from relationship with God and cause us to hurt each other and all kinds of pain to be available in our lives. It's not God causing this pain. God doesn't use this pain to teach us things. I don't believe that. But he won't waste that pain. If we go through something hard, he will use it just like Pastor Tony said last week, to help us persevere in faith and to learn how to grow our faith and have more faith in him on the other side. But he doesn't cause the pain. It's not him. Number two. So one, we got to realize where the pain comes from. Number two, we got to ask God to understand. Ask him to understand, help us understand it. Why am I going through this? What's the point of this? What do I need to do to move forward from this? We need to involve him in this. Paul said to God, hey, I've got this thorn in my flesh. Can you do something about it? Like, and sometimes you think a little thorn, you know, it's not that big deal. It's just a little thorn. Well, one time I pushed my brother into a thorn bush. Let him tell you what a little thorn can do, how much pain it can create. It can, can create a lot of pain. Little things can, can create a lot of pain in your life. One time I was on this youth trip and I was playing beach volleyball with some of our students on this trip. And, and at the end of the day, as we were about to go to sleep at night, I, I felt this pain in my eye. And I just like, it hurt so bad. I tried to ignore it. I tried to, you know, go to sleep and I couldn't sleep. In the middle of the night, I woke up and I went to the emergency room. And he's looking in my eye. I can't see anything. So what does he do? Is he gives me some painkillers. Well, that numbed the pain. Helped me to fall asleep that night, but I got up and it was still there. Something was wrong. So I went to the eye doctor. The eye doctor, man, that's a weird experience if you've ever had it, but they hook this thing up and they pull your eye open. It's just really weird. And she, they were looking around my eye and she pulls out this tiny little pebble. This tiny little pebble in my eye made my whole body messed up. 
I couldn't function in everyday life. Paul's got this thorn. And we don't know if it was a real thorn. I mean, he did get beaten a lot. It could have been an actual thorn that was stuck in his flesh. Just annoying him all the time. We don't know. Other people believe maybe it was a person. We all know people can be thorns sometimes. Can I get an amen? You know, might have been something else. Some people think maybe he had an issue with sin. He couldn't get over. Whatever it was, he's had pain. And he said, God, I want it to be removed. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power's made perfect in your weakness. When you're weak, you're strong. It's okay. And sometimes when we're begging God to get out of pain, And he's right there with us. And trust me, if you are a parent in this room, you probably understand you don't want to see your kids in pain. He wants you out, but he also wants the best life possible for you. So in these moments, we ask God to help us understand. Paul got an answer from God on his pain. He said, I know this is what you want, but I'm telling you, this is what's going to be best for your life. And I can see the future and and see sometimes we just want to get out of pain now and we just want to feel better now. But God's like, if you learn this moment over the next couple weeks or months or year, your entire life will be different. He gives them an answer for the pain. And he tells them, listen, you're not alone. My grace is sufficient for you. You're going to be able to live with this. You're going to still have a blessed life. You're still going to have an abundant life. You're still going to be led by my spirit, even though you have this thorn. Let God, go to God with our pain. Let's talk to him about it. Number three is this, admit your disappointment. Admit your disappointment. I think sometimes we just don't want to admit it. Because if I admit I'm disappointed, maybe that means I have a lack of faith. You know, you know those people who say, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I don't have a cold. You got a cold. It's okay to admit that you got a cold. It's not a lack of faith. You just say, listen, I'm not feeling well, and I'm believing God to heal me, and I'm believing God for good things, but we don't have to act like the disappointment isn't there, like it's not real. We don't have to act like that. We can tell God, hey, I'm a little disappointed right now. That's what Martha said when, when she called for Jesus to come to her home and save her brother Lazarus, and Jesus could have come there and saved her brother from dying. And Jesus didn't go, and her brother died. And this is what she said when Jesus finally did show up. She said, if you'd only been there, my brother wouldn't have died. It's okay to wrestle. It's okay to admit I'm disappointed I mean, Paul probably was a little disappointed that thorn didn't get removed. It's okay to acknowledge some things. It's okay to grieve the loss of a dream. It's not a lack of faith. My life didn't go this way, and I thought it would be this way, and I'm way over here, and I'm disappointed. 
It's okay to admit that disappointment. It's okay to grieve the loss of a dream. I was talking to a woman several years ago, and she had some sons, but she only had one daughter. And her daughter in her 20s was just really making some poor choices, really straying from her faith, and had a lot of things go wrong that had a lot of devastating consequences to them. And I was talking to her. And she was like, I know God, you know, he's with me. I know this is hard. But, and I said to her, I said, it's okay to grieve this. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to feel like, man, I really wish my situation was different. She's like, I'm not a bad Christian. I'm not a bad person if, I, if I'm disappointed. I said, no. She just began to weep. Years of pain that we keep inside because we think it's a lack of faith. No, that pain actually creates a barrier between us and the Lord if undealt with. We need to deal with it. We need to let it go. And it's okay to do that. There's a time to mourn. Maybe your life hasn't turned out the way you thought it should. Maybe your home life wasn't what you thought it should have been. Maybe your marriage ended in divorce. Maybe your kids aren't serving God. Maybe life has just spiraled out of control and it's not where you thought it would be. It's okay to be disappointed about that. It's okay to grieve that. As long as we begin to get it out and then move forward. And the way we do that is number four, is we talk about it. Talk about our pain and disappointment. We've got to do a better job talking about it. This room I know is full of Christian therapists, full of people who have the gift of healing us emotionally. It's okay to talk. It's actually essential to go to one of these people and say, listen, I am stuck. I'm in pain. I'm disappointed. I've gone through this. And let them help free you. You will be amazed how free you can actually feel and how close you can feel to God again when you begin to get these disappointments and these fears and these things out of your life that have been plaguing you maybe for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We've got to deal with them. We've got to talk them out. This is why I believe Paul wrote about it. I really do. He's like, I'm, I'm beaten. I've been stoned. I've been shamed. I've been shipwrecked. I've been hungry. I've been anxious. He's writing all about it in his letter. I believe that was a form of healing. And I also think he was doing it to let us know he, we're not alone. If this man of God has gone through some hardship... We're not exempt from it either, but we're not alone. So don't be afraid to talk about it. And I know sometimes why we don't talk about it. Because Christians aren't the best at giving advice on this subject of pain sometimes. I love us. I love the church. But sometimes it's okay to just empathize and not fix it. It's okay to empathize. 
You know, a teenager gets their heart broken. Well, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Well, let's just empathize for a minute with that pain. You know? It's like we want to give this, these churchy, like Christianese scriptures. Well, all in God's timing. Oh, this is going to be good. When God shuts a door, he opens a window. That's not even scriptural. I didn't know where that came from. Don't worry, God will give you, never give you more than he can handle. That's not in the Bible either. We made that up. One time, my dog of 15 and a half years died, and like I was grieving that. And you know what someone from this church did? They sent me a card. And they said, I am so sorry. I know that pain. Here's a $25 gift card. Order carry out on me. This is the best thing you could have done. <laughs> you know, the, talk about it. And if someone comes to you and talks about it, be safe. Right. You don't have to fix it. What you're going through is super hard, and I can't imagine what it's like, and I'm so sorry. But you know what I'll do is I'll pray with you and I'll stand with you through this and you're not alone and God's not going to leave you and neither am I. And if you need to call me in the middle of the night, call me. If you need me to come over and make dinner, I'll make dinner. If you need me to get groceries for you, I'll get groceries for you because that's what I'm going to do. Talk about it and create a safe place to do that. Lastly, Number five is we need to change our mindset. This is the most important one. We've got to change our mindset. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Paul says this, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. He's changing his mindset to I'm going to delight when things don't go my way because I'm going to just believe that it means that I'm at a low, but I'm walking through a valley and there's going to be light at the end of this tunnel at some point. Philippians 4.12, he says this, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He said, no matter what season I'm going through, whether I'm on the top of the mountain or I'm in the valley, I'm going to learn how to be content in that season. Because if we can't be content in the season of life we're in, we will never be content in life. A lot of us think if I just made more money, I'd be content. If I just had a bigger house, I'd be content. If I just did this, had a better job, I'd be content. If we cannot learn to be content, to have this mindset shift that I'm content right here in my life right now, if nothing changes, we will never learn how to be content. We'll never have the joy, the hope, the love that we long for. See, Paul changed his mindset. And he used the pain in his life to encourage all of us. He talked about it. He was probably embarrassed a little bit. But he talked about it. He was vulnerable. And he changed his mindset. 
And I want everyone to know that when you walk through something hard, it's not your fault. I mean, sometimes we make bad decisions that cause us to walk through hard things, sure. But what I love about God is he's always redeeming even our dumbest mistakes. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. He said, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Church, can that be our mantra when we are walking through disappointment and hard things in life that, man, this season is hard. It's excruciating. I can barely get up in the morning. But I'll tell you what, even though I've been hurt, even though I'm in pain, I am not crushed. I'm not destroyed. I'm not perplexed. I'm not abandoned by God. I'm not alone. I'm free. I'm free. God is with me. He promises to never leave me, to never forsake me. He says his plans for me are good. I want you to know if you're walking through something hard, this is just a season of time. Spring is coming. Hope is coming. Good things are coming for you. It's okay to be disappointed, but we are not destroyed. There are so many promises in the word of God that tells us differently than that. He's got good for you good plans for you. Crush, but not destroy. Let's stand together. I want you to let you know that your disappointment is not your destination. Your disappointment is not your destination. Your story isn't over. The last word has not been spoken. So we're going to sing this closing song, Defender. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And let's sing this from a spot that we're not alone. But God's defending us. He's got our back.